The dwarves are an ancient race. Nestled in the bedrock of the world, they rule over Karaz Angkor, the everlasting realm. Dwarves are wreathed in plate and armor, worked at forges by their brethren. These throngs march to war against the enemy threatening their hold. And as the front line of axe and shield clash with the enemy, war machines and black powder weapons fire over their heads, laying asunder their hated enemy, the orcs and goblins, and any who will stand in their way. Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to my overview for the Dwarven Mountain Holds army roster. The Dwarves are an iconic army in the Old World, and I expect them to be incredibly popular. Incredible melee units, as well as missile units, you've also got really strong war machines, and you've got really interesting choices like gyrocopters and gyrobombers. As well as being able to kit out the absolutely most badass Dwarf Lord, you've also got the ability to bring a bunch of magical support via the Rune Lords and the Anvil of Doom. I think it's fair to say that if you are going to play Dwarfs, you expect to play a more static gunline style playstyle over anything fast and aggressive like you might see from something like Bretonia. And so if you are thinking of picking up this army, just be conscious of that fact and that you are going to have to force your opponent to interact with you versus the other way around. This doesn't mean you don't have options. You have things like miners and rangers that are going to be able to create some diverse playstyles. But ultimately, it's a gunline army and you're going to spend a lot of time arguing whether or not you should have hills in your deployment or not. To take a moment though, they're cool. They're awesome. They've just drunken dwarf lads with guns and axes and honestly just a great army okay let's go look at all the special rules for the dwarven force the army roster for the dwarven mountain holds is really unique because dwarves don't believe in magic instead they have runic magic this also means they aren't able to use any of the magic items that you'll find in the core rulebook instead you'll be able to create your own magic items from the runes you can find inside this book there are some special rules though for how many of the runes you can take and let's cover them now the first rule is the rule of three and this says that no single item can have more than three runes it also says that no model can have more than three runes from each category the second rule is the rule of form no item can have a rune not intended for that item. For example, a hand weapon cannot have an engineering rune. The third rule is the rule of pride. No two runic items in your army can be identical. This applies to items with only a single rune and to items with two or three runes. This one is a little bit more complex, so let's just take a moment to cover this. If I give a magic item a rune that gives it flaming attacks, I can't repeat that unless I give it flaming attacks and like plus one strength. I've got to combine it to make a new type of magic item. The fourth rule is the rule of jealousy. Each master rune can only be chosen once per army and no item can have more than one master rune. And the fifth rune is the rule of duplication. Only runes marked with an asterisk can be duplicated on the same item combining together and increasing their effect. There are over 16 weapon runes. So we're definitely going to cover the runes and building different magic items in another more complex video. But for me, this has to be an amazing reason to play your Dwarven armies. You can build incredibly strong and incredibly defensive Dwarven Lords and Heroes, as well as being able to upgrade loads of your war machines to get exactly what you need out of them at the right time. If you've already looked through all of the runes and started to build yourself some cool combinations, then please do let me know in the comments below. But don't rune ahead of yourself before I finish the video. The Dwarven Army list also has access to some other unique special rules. The first special rule we're going to look at is Death Blow. This is going to apply to all of the slayers that you can find in the army list. When a model with this special rule is reduced to zero wounds by an enemy attack during the combat phase, the unit that made that attack suffers a single strength three here with AP1. No matter how much your slayers actually want to die in the story, you probably don't want them to die in the game. However, having death blow as a special rule so they make a final strike is very thematic, very cool, and ultimately 
might actually be really, really good in-game. The next special rule is Dwarf Crafted, and this is going to apply to most of your missile troops. Models with this special rule do not suffer the usual minus one to hit modifier when making a stand and shoot reaction. Your dwarves are slow, and it's arguable you're going to create a gum line. So when you do finally get charged, being able to have a good standard shoot reaction feels really good. The next special rule is Gromril Armor. This is going to be found mostly on your more elite troops. And if a model has this special rule, they can reroll any roll of a natural one when making an armor save roll. In a game based on kill points, being able to save your characters and your models easier because of reroll saves is great. The next special rule is Gromril Weapons. And again, this will be found mostly on your more elite troops. And this gives any models with a hand weapon, an AP value of one. The next special rule is just a nerf to the army, and the special rule is resolute. Models with this special rule suffer a minus one modifier to the result of any flea roll or pursuit roll they make to a minimum of one. Dwarfs are short, I get it, and therefore they're slow. I get it. A rule that stops you from being able to run down the enemy when you've won combat is bad and therefore a detriment to the army. The last special rule is rune law. A model with this special rule may be nominated to make a wizardly dispel as if it were a wizard. For the purposes of wizardly dispel attempts, an anvil of doom will count as a level 3 wizard, a rune lord will count as a level 2 wizard, and a runesmith will count as a level 1. Obviously, the lack of wizards is going to be a real problem to the dwarven army, but obviously don't tell the dwarf players that. So having bonuses to your dispel for your wizardly dispels is excellent. Let's take a look at what units you can take in your dwarven army. For characters, you can have one king, anvil of doom, or rune lord per thousand points. You can have multiple thanes, runesmiths, demon slayers, dragon slayers, and Dwarf Engineers. For core, you can have multiple units of Dwarf Warriors, Quarrelers, and Thunderers. Up to one unit of Rangers may be taken as a core choice. If your general is a king, you can have one unit of Longbeards taken as a core choice. For special, you can have multiple units of Longbeards, Ironbreakers, Miners, Slayers, and Gyrocopters. You can have up to one unit of Hammerers per King or Thane taken in your army list. And you can have up to three War Machines, chosen from Bolt Throwers, Grudge Throwers, or Cannons. In the Rare section, you can have multiple units of rangers, iron drakes, and gyro bombers. And you can have up to two war machines per thousand points chosen from organ guns and flame cannons. Let's look at the characters you can take in your dwarven army. Your dwarf lords come in two types. You can have a king and a thane. The king is the more powerful one and will be the character that we'll look at first. Very survivable at a high toughness five, three wounds, and comes as standard with full plate armor. If you'd like to upgrade their survivability already, we can do that because we can put them on top of some shield bearers. If we decide to add a couple of plucky young dwarfs to hold up our king, we can have plus three wounds to his profile. Being able to take a shield, that'll give us a three up armor save, toughness five, six wound king before we spend any points on our runic items. Dwarf Lords also have the special rule Ancestral Grudge. A model with this special rule has hatred against enemy characters. This means it hates all enemy characters in the opposing army, giving it rerolls to hit against them. If this unit joins a unit of Longbeards or Hammerers, the unit will also gain this special rule. Having both the Dwarf Lord and a scary melee unit, rerolling to hit against your big monstrous character feels very, very good. In melee, the Dwarf Lord has got four attacks at strength four, and the standard comes equipped with a hand weapon, which will have the Grumroll weapon special rule, meaning it'll have AP of one. A fairly high initiative of initiative four, you can obviously upgrade them to have a great weapon. This will give you four attacks at strength six, but of course you might just spend some points on upgrading to having a magic weapon. Having Rallying Cry, allowing fleeing units another attempt to rally back, is stubborn, so gonna stand around a lot longer in combat, and it's got magic resistance one, reducing the effectiveness of the enemy casting, either at this character or at the unit that it's joined. The Thane obviously has a reduced stat line, but still has that very high toughness five. Can be upgraded to have 75 points of runic items, and of course can be the battle standard bearer in your army. It's important to note 
that the Battlestander Bearer has no points limits on how many standard runes it can take on its battle standard. This might make this Thane Battlestander Bearer one of the most effective in the entire game. If you wanted to kit out a character hunting King or Thane, you could also put them on top of an Oathstone. The Oathstone has a special rule where challenges issued by this character cannot be refused. In addition, a character with an Oathstone and any unit they've joined automatically passes any panic tests they're required to make, but cannot choose to flee as a charge reaction. Overall, the Dwarf Lords are both singular good pieces as like fighting frontline characters and also amazing force multipliers. And I think it's gonna be really challenging building exactly the right Dwarf Lord for you. Access to multiple different runes, as well as either putting them on shield bearers or putting them on an Oathstone, is really gonna affect how both this character plays and maybe how the entire army plays. I am super excited though about building the perfect Dane Battlestander Bearer, and I'd love to hear the combos that you're thinking of. The next unit we're gonna look at is a mixture of an immobile artillery piece and a wizard. This is the Unvol of Doom! Unnecessary but fun. Very survivable. It starts out at the stunning Toughness 7 with 5 wounds and has an inbuilt 5-up ward save thanks to the Ancestral Shield special rule. Add to this its 4-up armor save from its heavy armor and shields. This is a very survivable unit. As I mentioned, once deployed, this unit is immobile and will not move for the whole game. This is obviously a problem. You're gonna to have to be protecting your Anvil of Doom and your army is gonna be pretty much loaded around it. This is a unit absolutely packed with universal special rules, but let's immediately talk about the fact that you can cast spells or runes and let's look at what those are. An Anvil of Doom has got access to four different spells, which are cast as bound spells with a power level of three. This just means they work like basically any other wizard, but you add plus three to them versus any other pluses you may add. The first spell is the Rune of Oath and Steel. This is an enchantment that gets stronger if cast at a higher value with a range of 24 inches. You target a friendly unit, and if cast on a seven, they may reroll any failed armor saves. However, if you cast it on an 11, they also add plus one to their armor save to a maximum of two plus, and the spell lasts until your next start of turn subphase. This is an insanely good spell. 24 inches is a massive range, and plus one save and reroll saves is awesome. So, so, so good. The next spell is the Rune of Hearth and Home. It's also an enchantment and cast on a seven, and the range is self. Until your next start of turn subphase, all friendly dwarf units within 21 inches of the Anvil of Doom gain the immune to psychology special rule. No fear, no terror, no worries. You're just a dwarf on a mission. And again, this is great. The next spell is the Rune of Haste and Urgency, and it's a conveyance spell cast on a 10 with a range of 24 inches. You target a friendly unit, and if it's not fleeing and has already moved during this movement phase, it may immediately move again. Dwarves are slow. Moving twice is great. The last spell is the Rune of Wrath and Ruin. It's a magic missile cast on a 9 with a range of 27 inches. The target enemy unit suffers 2d6 strength 4 hits, each with an AP of 2. The sheer force multiplication that this brings to a Dwarven army is insane. Immune Psychology, I think, is going to be really good because there definitely are going to be leadership bomb archetype lists out there. Double move is nice, but really what we're talking about is reroll armor saves as, in my opinion, the standout of the spells. Dwarves are heavily armored, and rerolling armor saves is just going to add to their survivability, and in a game of kill points, 
That's what it's all about. The unit also has a skirmishers formation, so it's going to make it harder to hit from missile weapons. It's unbreakable, so if it's locked in combat, you're going to have to kill it. And it's got magic resistance 3, so if you try to do any spells against it, it's going to be very difficult to get those spells off. Anvil of Doom is just an all-round amazing piece to have in your army. Almost feels like an auto-include, but it is expensive. So a real question is, do you think it is worth it? For people looking to make their army way more effective, you can take yourself some runesmiths. You can have a rune lord or a runesmith. Rune Lord is very survivable, toughness 5 with 3 wounds, heavy armor is standard but can upgrade it to full play and have a shield for a nice 3 up armor save. You can put either the Rune Lord or a Rune Smith on an Oath Stone as well, but the real reason you're going to take either of these two characters is because of the special rule Forge Fire. If this character joins a unit, that unit gains armor bane 2 and flaming attacks for all of their attacks. This feels like it's going to make melee units way more impactful and also bring a lot more additional AP to some of those range units. Rune Lords and Rune Smiths also have magic resistance too, and this is going to keep your blocks of infantry far more survivable against all of the magic attacks coming your way. If I'm going to spend points here, I think I'm just going to go for a basic runesmith with full plate and a shield, and make it so that I'm giving units armor bane and also flaming attacks. To quote some of my good friends from Scotland, if you'd like to get yourself a group of ginger nutters, then you need some slayers of legends. These come in two types the Demon Slayer and the Dragon Slayer. The Demon Slayer is more expensive and has got an additional wound, higher weapon skill and one more attack. Like all of the characters in this roster, and I think I should have mentioned this earlier, they have really high leadership of Leadership Tech. They're immune to psychology and they're also unbreakable. So this is a unit that is not going to run away. The problem with this unit is its survivability. It has no armor. It has the loner special rule, so won't be able to join units unless they too have the loner special rule. And like all the other characters, it's got magic resistance too. It's got Grommel weapon, so its hand weapon has got AP1. But if you are going to take one of these characters, especially if you're going to take a Demon Slayer, you can have up to 100 points of magic runes attached to your weapon. I feel like this is what you're going to do. For attacks base at strength 4, these characters come with Killing Blow. In addition, if you take the Demon Slayer, you get the Slayer of Demons special rule. This means this character always wounds its target on a 4+, regardless of the target's toughness. In addition, each unsaved wound inflicted by this character against an enemy model with Warp Spawn special rule or the troop type is Behemoth, causes those attacks to have the multiple wounds D3 special rule. The Dragon Slayer has its own special rule called Slayer of Dragons, which is identical to the Slayer of Demons, only it doesn't target warp spawn. If they do die, they do have the death blow special rule, meaning they're going to make an attack back. And like all the other dwarfs before us, they also hate orcs and goblins. So in that matchup, they're going to be very, very good. Lastly, while they are slow movement three, they do have the Vanguard special rule, meaning they're going to move up a little bit faster, I guess. Not that fast, a little bit faster. I wouldn't say the output feels particularly offensive for how much defense they've given up in their role. However, there is going to be a moment in some game where your Demon Slayer goes up against a giant demon demon of chaos is murdered and then with its death blow is able to kill that demon back and that's going to feel pretty awesome. Next character we're going to look at is the Dwarf Engineer. Comes in at the low cost of 50 points and he's basically always something you're going to take to put next to your war machines. He's got magic resistance 1 and he's stubborn but none of that really matters. It's three special rules are the reason you're taking this character and all three are great. The first one and probably the most important is the Artillery Master special rule. Unless the character is fleeing or engaged in combat once per turn during the shooting phase, a friendly unit of Quarrelers or a unit of Thunderers or a Dwarf War Machine that's within command range can either re-roll natural hits of a 1 or re-roll a single artillery dice. In conjunction with Dwarven Runes, you can already add to your Dwarven Artillery. This is going to make them very effective, at least not misfiring. Next special rule is an Entrenchment. And during deployment, 
You may entrench a single non-character model whose troop type is War Machine for each character in your army with a special rule. The entrenched War Machine is then considered to be behind partial cover and to be defending a low linear obstacle. This is going to make them harder to hit and mean your opponent is going to get rank bonuses when they charge all of which is excellent. And the last one, and a very effective one, is Stand Back Chief. This means that the engineer cannot be targeted by the enemy shooting or by enemy spells whilst it's within three inches of a friendly unit whose troop type is War Machine. At the moment, I'm very convinced that magic missiles are going to be very dominant at doing small arms fire over something like a unit of Quarrelers or Thunderers. And so being untargetable by those very effective magic missiles is an excellent rule. You're most likely to take cannons in this army, or at least kind of like a tournament list, and therefore you're probably going to take engineers. The first core unit we're going to look at are Dwarven Warriors. Let's immediately start with survivability, and they are Toughness 4, which is great, with heavy armor, which we love, and can be upgraded to having shields. So a 4-up base armor save unit is already really nice. I think it's worth mentioning that all of the Dwarven units I look at are going to have a high leadership, and Dwarven Warriors have a leadership of 9 already. This means that they're most likely to always be sticking in combat, which is awesome. For a core unit, weapon skill Four is great, but they do have low initiative of initiative two. I can upgrade them to having great weapons, and I kind of like that because my initiative is already so low. However, with only one attack base, I don't really see this unit as a hammer unit, and instead I see this unit as an anvil unit, which is very dwarven, obviously. The job of this unit, in my opinion, is to just take the brunt of a massive attack from the enemy, so you can either counter charge or slow your opponent down as you will them down with ranged fire. You can equip the unit with the full command, and one unit in every thousand points can either have the drill special rule the veteran special rule, and can purchase the standard up to 50 points. Winning combats in the old world is about combat resolution, not necessarily about killing your opponent. And you can generate quite a lot of that from a block of Dwarven Warriors. They're in close order, so add that to a standard and also two ranks from being infantry. And your opponent already has to do quite a few wounds to you before you start losing those combats. And even if you do lose those combats, you have a really high leadership value, either from the unit itself or from characters nearby. Meaning that you're most likely always going to be falling back in good order, even if you lose the combat. And I really do think this unit is going to be great at doing that blunting the charges of enemy cavalry, making it so that ongoing combats become a real problem for your opponent and not for you. Of the two missile units you can take in a Dwarven army for your core choices, you can choose either Quarrelers or Thunderers. Let's look at their base profiles, as both of them are the same. Toughness 4 with heavy armor can be upgraded to having shields. You can take a full command, they're completely in the close order formation, they got magic resistance 1, they hate orc and goblins. The real choice between these two units are whether or not you want to take crossbows or whether or not you want to take handguns. Handguns are 24 inch range strength 4 and they've got ap1 with armor bane 2 and they're ponderous which is a minus 2 to hit if you do move with them crossbows have got slightly longer range at 30 inches strength 4 they have no ap though still have armor bane 2 and are still ponderous so the question really is whether or not you want to be shooting at 30 inches or you want to be shooting at 24 inches another way you can maybe look at these is look at these as dwarven warriors with guns instead of seeing it as a dedicated shooting unit you can upgrade them to having great weapons. This means you could be shooting at the enemy until they finally do charge you. You get a great standard shoot reaction thanks to having the dwarf crafted special rule. And then while in combat, you could be swinging with your great weapons. You're already low initiative, so this might be a nice idea. If you were to load up Thunderers or Quarrelers with shields and great weapons, they're going to come in at 12 points. If you do the same for Dwarf Warriors, they're going to be 10. So it might be an idea to look at this unit as having additional shooting on top versus a dedicated shooting unit. However, we can't ignore the fact that the shooting is strength 4, which is awesome. And if you can spike a bunch of Armor Bane, and also, don't forget, you can bring in a Runesmith for additional Armor Bane, you could do some amazing armor penetration. Honestly, the ballistic skill on these units kind of has got me down on them. I'm not 100% certain right now. 
And if I was going to be shooting, I'd probably choose Quarrelers because I shoot at longer range. You can have up to one unit of Rangers for core in your army. And honestly, I think you're always going to do this. You're either going to do this as a small little unit to harass the enemy, or you're going to build yourself a big block of these guys. The simple reason for this is that they're Quarrelers with even more utility. And importantly, for a missile unit, they have plus one ballistic skill at ballistic skill four, over Quarrelers Ballistic Skill 3. They're still Toughness 4, they still have heavy armor, they can still be upgraded to having shields. But the unit is a skirmishing unit, meaning that it's harder for it to be hit. They have the Scout Special Rules, so that does mean you're going to be able to deploy them outside your deployment. Immediately, it's going to cause an issue for your opponent because you're going to be able to use them to harass from the flanks, which is why maybe a small unit equip them with some great weapons and go war machine hunting is a cool idea. And while still movement three, they are able to move through cover. So again, I feel like these have got a real opportunity to be a flanking and harassing unit. You can even equip them with great weapons and just have them hunting the flanks of your opponent's units. I think you're probably going to always have rangers in your core choice, but it really depends on how you're going to build it and I'd love to know what you think. Moving over to look at the special units, the first unit we'll start with are longbeards. Don't forget, you can have longbeards as a core choice if your general is a king. And longbeards are effectively just better dwarven warriors. Still toughness four with heavy armor. You can upgrade them to shields, so you're gonna have a four up armor save unit. And again, you can give them great weapons. However, I think this is time to talk about the fact that the Gromrel weapons are gonna give you AP value of one. Throw a runesmith in there, and immediately you've got the potential for that unit to have armor bane two on all of those attacks making them quite effective. They start out at base strength four, so if you were to add a great weapon in to deal with monsters, you'd be up to strength six, which is also be good as well. And they're gonna be swinging at weapon skill five. However, they're still stock with only one attack. So I'm not sure if they're gonna have that output to clear the enemy front rank before they get hit. And the 4-up armor save is good, but it's not incredible. You can take a full command, and if you want, one unit for every 1,000 points can have the Drilled special rule. I think Drilled is a particularly good rule on Dwarven units, allowing you to make a redress before you move, just because you have very low mobility. So having more options is very, very good. They hate Orcs and Goblins, obviously. Not particularly cool of them, but whatever. The Magic Resistance 1, which is nice. And they do have the Veteran Special Rule, meaning they can operate outside of your General's Command Aura and already have a pretty decent leadership at Leadership 9. However, they do have the Venerable Special Rule. This allows units within 6 inches to reroll Panic Tests. I'm not sure how much of a Force Multiplier this is going to be for your Dwarven Force. Because you already have very, very high leadership, your General is probably going to be near the rest of your army because you're all infantry and your bsb can be stacked up with tons of runic upgrades however no one wants to fail a panic test and have a unit just start fleeing off the board so i guess it's nice maybe i'm just jealous because my beard is not a long beard next unit we're going to look at are iron breakers this is the definition of a anvil unit in your dwarven force they start out at toughness four and they're equipped with full plate armor and shield for a spicy three up save they also have the special rule runes of protection which gives them a six up ward save against non-magical attacks they have magic resistance one and they're also stubborn so they're gonna stick around much longer in combat they also have shield wall which is great meaning they'll be able to give ground as opposed to fall back in good order once per battle they have gromrel armor and this is where it's going to become most impactful i think across the dwarven forces because on a 3-up armor save, re-rolling 1s, it's very, very good. Also, I think if you're looking for a target for the re-roll armor save spell that you can find on the Anvil of Doom, then this is going to be your target. If you are able to cast it on 11+, these guys are going to have a 2-up re-rollable save and a 6-up ward save against non-magical attacks. You can have a full command and 1 unit per 1,000 points can have the drilled special rule. Lastly, if you do upgrade to have a full command, your Iron Beard can have a brace of Drake fire pistols or a Drake gun. I started looking at like what it would do if I wanted to take a minimum unit of these guys, take a beard, then give him like a Drake fire gun. And it just doesn't really make any sense points wise. 
to kind of go multiple small units on this. And ultimately, it doesn't really feel like what the unit is designed for. They've got one attack each at the high weapon skill of five, which I'm going to see is a defensive stat versus an offensive stat. But lastly, and maybe most importantly, this unit is a regimental unit. What's great about this is you can have Iron Drakes as a detachment unit. That means they can use their awesome Drake guns to be withering the enemy as they try to charge into the Iron Breaker unit. I think the Iron Breaker unit is a pretty honest unit. It's clearly an anvil and probably the best anvil that you're going to find inside this army and you can stack bonuses on it to make it even more survivable. But an anvil requires a hammer, which just feels like a very dwarven thing to say in this video, so we need to go and find ourselves the punch in this army. The next unit from Special adds some great utility to a dwarven force, and this is the Miners. No, I don't mean a group of kids, I mean a bunch of guys digging holes. Heavy armor on toughness 4 and great weapons. In my opinion, the key feature of this unit is that they can be ambushers. Ambushers arrive from turn two on a four plus. This, I think, makes a lot of people very nervous about not having points on the board being involved in the game. However, you can upgrade the miners to have a full command. If you do so, your champion is a prospector and the prospector can be upgraded to having a steam drill. The steam drill allows you to reroll the dice to determine whether or not the unit comes on the field via ambushing. This makes this unit much more effective at doing that particular job. The way to think about this unit is think about how a dwarven army is most likely gonna play. You aren't gonna be rushing across the board to fight the enemy because you are just too slow. However, you can outgun your opponent. With all the artillery we're yet to talk about, as well as the small arms fire, your opponent is probably going to have to run towards you to start getting kill points off you. At that point, you're going to counter charge. When they do decide to rush towards you, you probably want something that's going to be able to handle those charges, which will be an anvil, something like iron breakers. And then you want something that can counter charge and punch really well, like hammerers. So really, where do miners fit in? Like rangers, miners are going to make your opponent have to really worry about charging forward. While you might have really fast armies like Bretonians, throwing all of their points forward initially. Some armies will be more staggered, with some units being fast and some units being more slow. This gives you great opportunity to do flank charges or charge into their war machines at the back of the board, giving you, as all dwarves love, war machine supremacy. And yes, it's risky. Ambushing will always be risky. I'm sure I'm going to read loads of comments talking about it being risky. But honestly, I think even a smaller unit of miners is going to cause your opponent a little bit of concern. You can also equip each model in the unit with blasting charges. Incredibly short range, only six inches. Strength three, AP one, armor bane one. They have flaming attacks and also quick shot. At two points per model, I'm not necessarily certain it's worth the upgrade, but I do love the idea of throwing in a bunch of blasting charges and then charging with my great weapons. Lastly, one unit per thousand points can replace the close order formation with the open order. They can have the veteran special rule and they can purchase some magic standard up to 25 points. In addition, this unit hates orcs and goblins and also got magic resistance one. And you could also vanguard this unit, which is nice, although vanguard feels not particularly effective on units that only move three inches. Overall, I really like the miners and I think I'll always be trying to find a way to get even a small unit in my army to cause some headaches for my opponent. Whether or not they're effective is nowhere near as important as my opponent thinking they might do something effective slowing them down and allowing me to keep shooting at them and getting as many kill points as I can get. Next special unit we're going to look at are Slayers. Slayers come in two types. You can either have Troll Slayers or you can have Giant Slayers. For seven point upgrade, you get plus one to your weapon skill, plus one to your initiative, and probably, and most importantly, plus one to the number of melee attacks you can make. This unit is not just lightly armored, it has no armor, and so being able to make extra attacks and make it an actual combat unit is really good. The two attacks that they do have are at weapon skill five and strength four. 
You can upgrade them to have an additional hand weapon or have a great weapon. Whichever of the two Slayer choices you decide to go for, they have the special rule Slayer. This means they're always going to wound the enemy unit on a to wound roll of a four, regardless of the enemy's toughness. If you decide to upgrade having any of the Slayers be giant Slayers in the unit, then they gain access to the Fight Me special rule, meaning they can both issue and receive challenges like a character. Slayers have the Motley Crew special rule, which means you can have multiple different profiles in the unit. The unit is unbreakable, meaning you have to get rid of all of them, and as you get rid of each one, they are going to be doing death blows and hitting back at your opponent. They mean psychology, which is nice, meaning you don't have to worry about terror or fear checks, and again, magic resistance too, so the dwarfs are going to be harder to do spells against. You're probably going to take an additional hand weapon, because there's no point in taking a great weapon, seeing as you're always going to be wounding the enemy on a four. This means if you upgrade to having a giant slayer, then they can get three attacks each. However, because of the low mobility and obviously the low armor, this is going to be a very, very difficult unit to use. Lastly, and I know you can already get a lot of attacks on this unit by upgrading them to be giant slayers, so I understand what I'm saying, but it's odd that this unit doesn't have Frenzy or even something like Furious Charge. They also don't have the Impetuous Special Rule, which I also find really odd as well for maniacs that want to go to their deaths in glorious battle. Our next special unit is Hammerers. You can have one unit of Hammerers in your army for every King and Thane you take. This is great because they have the special rule Royal Guard. Any model in a unit of Hammerers that have been joined by a King or Thane can issue and accept challenges like a character. Jump straight then to the special rules, but I think that's pretty important as I feel like you're going to always nest either a King or at least your BSB inside this unit. Not to be too on the nose, but this unit is going to be your hammer unit in the army. It's going to do a bunch of the damage. However, oddly, it's a unit that wants to do it via being charged. Toughness 4 with heavy armor. You can upgrade them to have shields so they can have a nice 4-up armor save. However, the weapon that they're equipped with, a great hammer, is two-handed, so you won't be able to make use of that shield in combat. The great hammer they have is strength plus 2, taking them up to strength 6, AP 2 with Armor Bane 2. However, they only have one attack each. The awesome thing to say about the Great Hammer, if you haven't already noticed, that it is not a great weapon, although it is great, you know. This means that you aren't going to be starting at initiative one with the weapon, which means their initiative three is actually pretty legit. And if you charge, you're going to be swinging at initiative six, strength six. But what's odd, unlike something like Chaos Chosen, where you have two attacks, they only have one attack each unless you're charged. Thanks to the Stoic Defender special rule, a turn in which a unit of hammerers was charged, they gain plus one to their initiative and plus one to their attacks characteristic. To me, this says that the army is designed to never move across the board and attack your opponent. You are not given bonuses to do so, other than obviously the pluses to initiative when you charge. Instead, a king that's very tough to get rid of in a unit of hammerers that are very difficult to deal with as well, being able to swing and put in extra attacks against charging units feels particularly good. You can upgrade the unit to have full command. You can also make them veteran and drilled. I'd probably skip veteran because you're most likely going to be putting these near your characters but drilled is always going to be good in my personal opinion for the dwarfs because of the mobility lastly you can have a magic standard up to 75 points and i think there's a really great one which stops your opponent's charge bonuses your opponent is not going to want to charge this unit that's gonna be a real problem because you're gonna get them to bodyguard all your war machines i really like hammerers but the way the unit is designed only gives me one way of playing with the army. The next special unit is incredibly unique to the Dwarven roster, and it's the Gyrocopter. Gyrocopter is a monstrous cavalry unit. However, it's a combination of a war machine and a chariot. It's toughness five with three wounds and has full play armor, so a four up armor save. And it's definitely not a combat piece with two attacks. None of that really matters. You're choosing it to be one of three types 
of gun platform. As standard, it comes with a steam gun, and you can upgrade it to either have a brimstone gun or a clatter gun. Let's start with the steam gun first, and it is a breath weapon. A strength three with AP1. Obviously, this is gonna be good if you're fighting against loads of other models in big horde-style armies. The brimstone gun has an 18-inch range, strength five, AP2. It's got flaming attacks and does D3 plus one shots. It's also a quick shot as well. For a unit that's not particularly good in combat, although can be survivable, I'm not 100% certain the 18-inch weapon is what you want. However, the high strength and high AP does feel really good. Lastly, you can equip it with the clatter gun, which is 24 inches, strength four, AP1. It's also got armor bane. It does D6 shots. You can get potentially more shots out of the clatter gun. However, D3 plus one for the brimstone gun is far more consistent. We should also talk about the fact that you can take this unit as a unit of one all the way up to a unit of six. And while a unit of six is going to set you back 360 points, that's potentially 66 clatter gun shots at 24 inches, which is a huge weight of fire. All of this is done at the pretty low ballistic skill of ballistic skill three. You are going to have to take into a fact that multiple shots is also going to give you another minus one to hit. This unit, though, is obviously being a helicopter, very mobile. It's got fly nine and it's also a Vanguard unit. So from the very first turn, a unit of one or a unit of six of these is going to be able to harass the enemy quite aggressively. If you do need this unit to add to combat resolution, you can be charging them in, doing D3 impact hits, and that charge is going to be more successful thanks to Swift Strike. Lastly, this unit has the special rule Dive Bomb. Once per game, if you move over an enemy unit in the remaining move subphase, that unit suffers D6 strength three hits with an AP value of one for every gyrocopter that's in the unit and that moved over the enemy unit. And while not a game-changing amount of damage at strength three only, it's still a huge volume of extra bonus damage at the right time in the battle. However, there is a negative, and for every one you roll when determining the number of hits, then that gyrocopter suffers a wound. Okay, let's think about how we're going to use this. There's two options, really. Number one, we use them as singular models. This is going to be particularly effective because of the vanguard and the fast movement for move blocking your opponent, which you really want to do because you're going to have lots of shooting and you're going to want to fire that at your opponent. So these are going to play a lot like Great Eagles. However, unlike Great Eagles, they actually can do some additional shooting, which is also really nice. The other way to play this unit is to build big bricks of them and have big mobile gun platforms. They're fast, they're skirmishers, and they have very high movement. And they are fairly survivable at toughness five with full play. While this unit is very fast, the rest of the Dwarven roster is very slow. So you're going to be operating outside of the effective range of many of the other units to help support you if you do get caught in combat. Thankfully, while the melee units are slow, your threat projection range is massive thanks to all of the amazing war machines and some of the missile weapons that you bring with you. Any army that's got a unit like gyrocopters, great eagles, or something like that, solo singular bases you can use to redirect charges and block enemy movement is great. It's also a really great argument for the rule of three. I don't think I've actually expressed how incredibly effective gyrocopters are going to be at move blocking and how that's going to be for you if you're playing against them. So just take some time to put it out on the table and exactly work out what gyrocopters and units like gyrocopters are going to be able to do in your games because the impact will be massive. Your Dwarven roster can also have bolt throwers, grudge throwers, and cannons. All of these war machines can obviously be upgraded to have the engineering runes. I think you're most likely to see the rune of forging and the rune of reloading. The rune of forging is single use and it allows you to reroll either the artillery or the misfire dice. And the rune of reloading 
allows you to shoot every turn, even if you suffered a misfire and shouldn't be able to shoot this turn. Obviously, both of those runes are going to make all three of these war machines more effective. And I don't think we need to go through the war machines in detail. The Grudge Thrower is obviously going to be particularly good if there's lots of enemy infantry. The Bolt Thrower is great because of its massive range, its ability to shoot through different ranks of troops, as well as being okay at shooting at things like monstrous infantry and even taking pot shots at monsters. So it kind of fulfills a halfway house between a stone thrower and the cannon. The cannon is obviously excellent at taking out large targets and even monstrous infantry and cavalry. We need to do a big deep dive on war machines in the future. But ultimately, in my opinion, you're going to take three cannons over three stone throwers. This might mean you take bolt throwers instead, as they're a little bit cheaper. But I think the good thing about being able to take three cannons in a dwarven army is it immediately makes large targets very, very scared, which means they're going to be running across the board, which means you can counter charge with all of your slower infantry. Moving on to the rare section, and we are going to immediately jump into the war machines available from there. You can either take an organ gun or a flame cannon. Both of these two weapons are going to be particularly good against enemy infantry. The flame cannon is a fire thrower, which means it moves a template weapon 12 inches, and then anything that the flame template is able to touch is hit by a strength five hit, AP one, and has got flaming attacks. However, like the stone thrower, you end up with units having a chance to be hit versus actually being hit. Instead, if you take the organ gun, you can shoot at 30 inches. Strength 5, AP1, and Armor Bane 2. You roll three dice to determine how many shots you're going to shoot. There's a very real chance that this will blow up. However, thanks to being able to take an engineer and also runes, this is going to make this a very effective and very reliable war machine. And again, it's just got absolutely massive range. So I think out of all the war machines, I feel like cannons and organ guns are the most obvious choices. Next unit we're going to look at is the Gyrobomber. And very much like the Gyrocopter, its main job is to be a gun platform that's moving around the board. You can only take it in a unit of one, but it's fairly survivable at Toughness 5 with four wounds and full plate armor. The main trick with this unit is its bombing run special rule. You can only do this against a unit that is not engaged in combat. You move over an enemy unit in the remaining move subphase, and then you roll a dice to see what happens. On a result of a one, it's a premature detonation, and this model loses a single wound. On a roll of a two, it's a dud, and a solitary bomb is released but fails to detonate before landing squarely upon the head of an unfortunate enemy and the enemy loses a single wound. On a roll of a 3 to 4, it's a direct hit and you place the large 5-inch template so its central hole is directly over the center of the enemy unit. It scatters d6 inches and any model whose base lies underneath the template's final position risks being hit with a strength 4 hit of AP1. On a result of 5 or 6, you get bombs away. You place two small 3-inch blast templates so their central hole are over the enemy unit. Each template then scatters d6 inches an enemy model whose base lies underneath the template risks being hit with a hit of strength 4 AP1. The unit can fly and it is also swift stride, so if you did want to charge in, it's D3 plus 1 impact hits, it's going to help you with some combat resolution. But the main reason you're taking the gyro bomber is because of the bombing run. In this, it's fairly ineffective, unlike the gyrocopter. The gyrocopter has got Vanguard, so straight off the bat, its threat projection is that much further. Also, as the game progresses, it's going to become less effective because you're going to be in more and more combat. Even when you do successfully make a bombing run, a third of the time it's going to do nothing, and all of the templates that do land when you are successful scatter, so they still might not do that much. And when they finally do hit, the enemy unit is only at risk of being hit. So there are a myriad of reasons why I think the gyro bomber is not particularly effective. However, that doesn't mean that when you take loads of gyro bombers and start laying down templates, it isn't going to be a hilarious experience. The last unit from Rare are the awesome, 
awesome Iron Drake. Iron Drakes are a heavy infantry missile unit with excellent ballistic skill. While only one wound each, they are toughness four and they have full plate armor. In addition, they have the Runes of Warding, which is a five up ward save against any flaming attacks. As a missile unit, the entire unit is armed with Drake guns. They're 18 inches, strength five, AP one. Armor being two means you could potentially get them to AP three. Dwarf crafted, so they're not gonna take a minus one to hit if they are standing and shooting. They also do flaming attacks and they're also quick shot. Great ballistic skill and high strength on the Drake guns is really, really good. So you should be hitting okay and you should be wounding fairly well. The major issue, I think, is the fact that it's got 18 inch range. When they do get into combat, as I've said, they're fairly survivable. They're also equipped with Grumrel armor, meaning they'll be able to reroll once they're saved. And if they do suffer casualties, they're also stubborn and they have a very high leadership. So you should stick around in combat. If they're more mobile, you can give them the drilled special rule. You can take a full command. And if you do take a full command, then your champion is an Iron Warden, and your Iron Warden can be upgraded to having a Troll Hammer Torpedo. The Troll Hammer Torpedo is 24 inches, strength A, AP3, and it does multiple wounds D3. So it's effectively another mini cannon. And if you were to take a minimum unit of five, upgrade to having an Iron Warden and give them a Troll Hammer Torpedo, then you're going to spend 96 points. Then you can get a 96 point unit, which is effectively a small cannon with some ablative wounds. Of course, you can take a large unit of these and apply a bunch of buffs to them and try to just whittle down your opponent as much as possible. But eventually that unit is going to run across the board. So I think you're always going to need something with the Dwarf Army that can punch back. I think I really like the Iron Drakes as like a multiple small unit choice. Pretty risky, but they're fairly tough. Toughness four, full plate armor. I'd love to know what you think. And that's it for the Dwarven roster. No real surprises from this roster, honestly. I think the rules writers have done a really great job of creating a bunch of unit entries that play exactly as you expect a Dwarven army to play. It's slow, definitely. Heavily armoured in many places. It's got incredibly good artillery and it's got lots of really good missile units. I'm really happy that Rangers and Miners are also in this army roster. They give the army a lot more utility and you could create some really fun ambushy or at least scouting armies. You can also create some pretty badass frontline characters. And I think the Anvil of Doom is awesome. But are you going to be able to get enough units in the army that the Anvil of Doom is going to want to buff up? Lastly, I think the gyrocopters and the gyro bombers add a little bit extra dimension to the army. So you can either build really thematic armies around them, or you can use them to help with your more static, aggressive gun line. I know we're not covering them in this video, but I also absolutely love the runes. I love the idea of equipping and building your own magic items. I think they've done just a great job of creating a roster that is very Dwarven-like. And I think people are going to really enjoy this army. It's going to be a real challenge to play against, and it's going to do a really good thing inside of the overall game. And it's going to keep large targets and monsters a little bit more honest. As always, please do tell me what you think. I'd love to know. I love reading the comments, and it would be awesome to be able to read them. Thank you to everyone on the Squarebase Patreon for helping support this content being made. And I just hope you like the videos. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you again soon.